Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and this is a week number six for 2021. And uh, this week starts a new month. Uh, we're going to be starting our reading for February, so um, we'll be covering some material for your reading for February. Now, February is going to introduce a new topic about Jesus. Um, it's going to introduce to us Jesus as the teacher. So January, we talked about Jesus as the creator, and now we're going to talk about, for the first week anyway of February, Jesus as the teacher. Then the rest of the month of February will be passages um, from the Old and New Testament on love. It is Valentine's month in February, so I thought we would read some passages on love, loving one another, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, important things. So that's kind of what's on tap for the next uh, month. Uh, Today I have a new guest with me. Um, who needs no introduction. If you watch the services, you know that he's the main one to, to be speaking, Pastor Lemming. Not the main one. <laughs> well, he's the one where we're hearing the words come out of oh, your yeah, mouth. Sure, Let's sure. say that way. Um, <clears throat> now, as I've had a guest every time with me, one of the things that we always ask our guests is for Bible study tips. Now, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the tips that we've already come across, um, and these are things that we can write down, use as we study the Bible uh, from different pastors that have come along. Uh, one of the first ones was use a different translation when you're reading, mm-hmm. so that helps. Um, we've got repetition. Look for repetition in a text. I'm going to highlight some of that today, actually. Um, Matt gave us a whole system that the teens use. I think it's observation, interpretation, application, good system to use. Um Bill told us, um, put yourself in the text, put yourself in the story. Mm -hmm. And then last week, Nathan, um, he gave us something different, and he says, try reading the text out loud. Now, I know you've had lots of experience over your 30-plus years of reading Bible, of studying God's Word, and I know you have methods that you use, but maybe there's one simple tip or maybe a a, a complicated tip, I don't know, something that maybe you can pass on to our readers that can help them as they study the Bible and to study it well. What do you think? Well, uh, there's a lot of things that I think you can do to make the Bible interesting and (laughs) that are beneficial to uh, being able to read it and understand it. Maybe two things. Okay. One is, before I start reading a book, I try to refresh my memory on the background of the book. Understanding the context to which the writers are writing helps me tremendously when I get into some aspects to understand why they're saying something a certain way or, uh, you know, why would they address this particular issue? And you begin to understand a little bit of the background, then it opens up the meaning of the text itself. But probably more importantly, for me, and I say it often from the pulpit, is that I color in my Bible. My Bible is a coloring (laughs) book, and I keep uh, various uh, highlighters, different colors of highlighters, and different colors of pens, and I mark my Bible up. I'm a visual person. And so when I'm reading through, if something stands out to me, I'll either underline it, I'll, I'll highlight it with a different color, or I'll, I'll make a note in the margins. As a matter of fact, most of my Bibles end up being my own uh, edition of a study Bible. Right, right. <laughs> because I've written my own notes uh, in the Bible. But just being able to see words that stand out, <clears throat> when I highlight words, sometimes I don't highlight them with a highlighter. I take one of those special pens and I go over each letter so that the l- word is bolded so that you see it standing off the page. It's now, is there, is there a system, like a color system, I, as I, to how you do it, or, or are you that complicated? I, I wish just... I could say there was. There isn't. <laughs> okay. You know, I might use, in one chapter, the, 
particular color in the next chapter i may use a different, a different color. color okay it, it, you know whatever i'm reading that particular day those colors are going to be pretty much the same the next day they may be something different but you know there are bibles out there that where they do color code things and that's that's what i was getting at. and i was wondering if you had a color coding system like all your you know special words were red and, and well, cross references for the words of jesus or... if i bold a word for jesus i yeah. use red oh, okay but, but beyond that um that's know, a good way of really making it visually. You can see. Oh yeah, pulls right. Well, you up can on the see page. here on my Bible. Yeah, things yeah. that the things that are marked to stand out, so that you know, draws my attention to them. That's just helpful to me. Now, if you've completed your 2020 Bible reading, I'll put this plug in right now. Um, if you go to the Rooted page on lmbc.org/rooted and click on the available gifts, if you completed your 2020 reading, <clears throat> there are gifts available and. Two of those gifts on that list that are available, you just get to choose one, uh, is Bible highlighters yeah. as well as some fine-tipped um, Bible writing pens yeah. that you can use. Let me give you a bit of advice. Get those fine-tipped pens. Get the fine-tipped pens? That's the ones to get. You can get highlighters okay. anywhere. Okay. But those fine-tipped pens are the ones that I use. Those are the great things. Okay. Well, there you go. There's your, there's your tip. Get those um, if you've read the Bible reading for 2020. And you can purchase those uh, online, those fine-tipped ones. And they come in a plethora of colors, Yeah, uh, different colors yeah. as well. Okay, well, there's our tip for um, uh, today. So uh, this week we're going to get into um, a portion here as Jesus as the teacher. I can't think of a better passage of Scripture about Jesus as a teacher than the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, because this is where he's essentially mm. teaching from. And there are just a few things that I just want to talk about as we start um, that kind of describe Jesus as the teacher. I mean, you think about him being a teacher, and you're coming to sit at his feet. And a couple of things. First of all, he's going to be the expert. Absolutely. He's going to be the expert in everything. I mean, he is the full revelation of God himself for us. So everything he's going to say is, is going to be, you know, he, he is the expert. I mean, we go into a world today where we're looking for experts, but here we have yeah. the expert here as the teacher. And then, you know, some of the things he teaches kind of goes against our, kind of goes against the grain of our humanity. Yeah, it's you know, upstream. He, he's, yeah, he's saying, do this instead of doing this. And it's kind of going against that sin nature, which is good for us. Yeah. Um, and you notice how he kind of handles crowds a little bit different than his teaching to when he's just with his disciples. Hmm. And then, um, and I always like how he just answers questions with questions. Sometimes <laughs> it's frustrating, isn't it? When he answers a question and he does it so in just a simple way with another question. And it's meant to make you think about, did I really need to answer, ask that yeah. question in the first place? Yeah. So as we talk about Jesus as a teacher, is there anything to start off, Pastor, that uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that maybe stuck out to you uh, that you want to highlight uh, for our time today? Well, of course, that's the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a fabulous sermon that Jesus delivered, and I don't think you can read anything that's more powerful than that particular sermon. It certainly uh, is an incredible message. When I think about this message, though, I think that uh, this is Matthew writing to the Jews about their king and his kingdom. And as he gives this sermon, he points out kingdom truths uh, these aren't salvation truths. These are kingdom truths. And he's telling them, as you and I have talked before, mm -hmm. that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, he says in verse 20, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's not talking about a work salvation. He's telling you this is how the kingdom will be, and there will be a kingdom rule one day. And, uh, you know, your righteousness to enter that kingdom has got to be greater than that of the Pharisees. But the fact of the matter is, 
uh, he goes through here and he raises the level of righteousness so that they understand you're not going to get there on your own. You're going to only get there by the grace of God and, and the mercy of God. And like you said the, earlier on, the background is important. And the way we would understand the book of Matthew is to do a little bit of background study right. and know that, hey, this is the theme that Jesus is the king, right. written to a Jewish audience to present Jesus right. as the king. So sometimes, uh, and of course, the background study of Scripture is a whole other discipline in and of itself. Uh, you can spend endless hours doing a lot of background maybe some unnecessary at the time, but sometimes just a little bit of basic background so you kind of know the theme as it flows exactly. through about the king, about his kingdom, and you said he's elevating the, the, the level of righteousness. Well, he's not technically elevating it, but in their thinking he's <clears throat> elevating it. It was always this way, but he's making sure they understand that just obeying the letter of the law is not where they were supposed to finish. The Pharisees should be obeying the spirit of the law, but they don't, obviously. And, and, and that phrase, obeying the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, you find that repeated. Not that phrase, but, but watch what happens. If you look mm -hmm. at Matthew chapter 5, and I see you have it highlighted in your Bible mm -hmm. as well, verse 21, you go to verse 27, mm -hmm. verse 31, mm -hmm. um, verse 33, verse 38, verse 43, it says, you have heard, or it's been said. Six times. Uh-huh. And it says, but I say to you. And so he's doing that. He's taking those Old Testament laws that they thought they knew, Right. They thought they were familiar with, and he's saying, but listen, it really is saying this. So he's elevating the spirit of the law, right. the principle behind that passage, right. more than just um, following that passage or being obedient to that passage. Right. And there's, there's where repetition comes in. Well, you can say, for instance, with adultery, well, I don't commit the <clears throat> physical act of adultery, but Jesus says it's not just the physical act, it's the mental uh, you know, the, what you're doing with your mind, your mm -hmm. eyes, how you're looking at something that... Uh, you've committed adultery in your heart. And the Pharisees were only concerned with the externals. Right. And God's law is concerned with the externals, but it's more concerned with the internals. It was meant to teach those moral truths, and I think that's why, um, why they missed it. Yeah. Um, because they were so concerned with going through the motions, as we might say. Like, like today, some church members may come in and go through the motions, um, but they're not really worshiping yeah. uh, you know, in a worship service. So it, it, it's the same. And, and I wonder oftentimes, they knew the law so well. Why do you think they, they missed it? Why do you think they missed it? I mean, you see Jesus coming. You see, as you read through the Gospels, how Jesus presents himself. And, and so many times, even the disciples, yeah. they missed it. I wonder... Well, I think we all do. And um, <laughs> This is true. It's easy to go through the motions and go through the rituals and go through the routines. And, you know, you do what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. And you check off a list, a, a box off of a list, and you're done. I know I do that. And I can get into that routine, and suddenly it's no longer about a relationship, it's about a routine. And I think the Pharisees, over a period of many centuries, just ended up being uh, a religious ceremonial kind of a, a practice that they went through, and they lost the heart of what uh, the faith was really all about. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that I saw as you read the entirety, and I read through the entirety of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and of course, you also have uh, parallel passages in your reading for this week in right. Luke, uh, Luke uh, 6, 12, and, and 11, I believe. And I think if you purchased a Connect, or not purchased, but grabbed a Connect, by the way, the reading for February the 3rd, it's supposed to be Luke chapter 6, verses 27, yeah, not chapter just a typo. 7. Just, a, just typo. a little typo. On the Bible app, it should be right. But as you're reading through the entirety of this, I saw this big contrast in chapter 5 and chapter 6, mm. where chapter 5 is kind of like, 
These are things you should avoid, like murder, adultery, divorce, retaliation. Mm-hmm. But yet in chapter 6, it's kind of like these are things that you should do or practice or put on, prayer, fasting, priorities, and trust. Yeah. And so you know, in these chapters, as Jesus is teaching, not only is he teaching to help correct the uh, spirit of the law problem, but he's also showing a big contrast here, saying these are bad things of the spirit, but then you know, these are good things, things that you should practice. Yeah, and, and something else to point out from that is 17 times in... Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he uses the word Father. It would be an interesting thing in your own Bible reading to highlight each of the times that Jesus uses the word Father. Most of those begin at the end of chapter 5 through chapter 6 and into chapter 7, and they speak about the intimacy that God wants us to have with the Father. But you can't have that kind of intimacy just by going through the rituals and the routines. There's got to be a, an ever-deepening relationship that's characterized by the qualities, for instance, of the Beatitudes or this characterized by the qualities uh, of seeking to have a heart relationship with God and not just a, you know, a legal relationship with God. And we like, uh, we mentioned before in John that many times we love statistics. I know you Bible readers do. I mean, 17 times that's something essentially to highlight. And, and that's the way the book is speaking to you. It's saying, look, pay attention to this word. Pay attention to the word Father. I remember a few years ago when we had like a, a retreat or something with our I can't remember, but we read through the book of Philippians. And I think mm-hmm. I remember counting like 18 or 20 different times yeah. the name Jesus or the name Christ appears just in those four chapters of the book of Philippians. So it's important to pay attention to repetition because, you know, just like you're reading anything, a letter or a newspaper or a magazine article or a textbook, repetition. If they're repeating a key theme, I always tell my students this in class, if I repeat something three times, then it's probably good if you were to write that down because that's something that's important. <laughs> and so in the same way here, repetition, especially with the word father and, and you know, of course, the whole father-son relationship right. with Jesus and God the Father is also important. We talked about that in John, how he was always doing the father's will. All that he gave to us was from the father um, and that constant relationship of us, which speaks to Right. You know how we are also to to have a relationship with well, our father. Jesus with our had this this close father. relationship with yeah. the father, obviously. Yeah, and he's he's <laughs> wanting us to have that same kind of a close relationship with the father, and there's there's an intimacy that's going on, and that's not a good word for men. Uh, a closeness, <laughs> right. uh, men don't like that word necessarily, but a, a closeness, a nearness, a, a pursuit where where you feel comfortable. Uh, speaking with him as your father because you know he loves you, he's watching over you, he cares for you, he provides for you, he you know he does all these things as a father that makes your life feel confident, uh, be able to live your life with confidence, and he wants us to have that kind of relationship. Now, towards the end of the of the Sermon on the Mount here in chapter seven, and I don't think I had you read all of it. I think it's maybe the first couple of months, but there's this series of choices. You know, it's kind of like he lays out the teaching and he says, now you have a choice to make. Mm. You choose the right way or the wrong way. Now, if you've been listening to uh, Pastor Lemming's sermons the last couple of weeks and he's kind of camped out on chapter 7, <laughs> verses, uh, what, 13, 13 and 14. 14 yeah. um, so I don't know what you're preaching for this week, but may, it might maybe it's on this text no, again. No, it's not <laughs> on this text. Different. But you can see, and, and that's a good thing too, by the way, you can see how you could spend so much time just on a couple of verses because there's so much there, especially within this passage of of scripture. Um, but about these choices, 
um, here in chapter 7, and I know yeah. you didn't read it, and maybe as Bible readers, you can just read through the rest of chapter 7. It's not going to hurt you. Um, I was going to say, it's okay. I mean, even yeah. if it's not in the Bible reading, it's okay to go <laughs> ahead and okay. read beyond that. <laughs> exactly. But what about these two choices? What do you think is the point here at the end of the of the, um, of the the Sermon on the Mount where he's given these two choices? Well, he's make? telling them either you choose the way of the Pharisees or you choose my way. Yeah. You choose to go through the broad gate that leads by way of the Pharisees, that leads to you know, uh, destruction, right. or you choose to go my way, which is through the narrow gate onto the difficult way. And so he's giving them the choice, and he goes down at the end of the chapter, which you might, you might uh, want to read if you haven't read, and, and he talks about building on sand or on solid rock and the difference. If you, if you listen to Jesus, follow Jesus, seek what Jesus says to seek, then you're building on the solid rock. Right. But if you go the way of the Pharisees and you go through the motions and go through this legalism that has no <clears throat> heart to it whatsoever and, and you follow their hypocrisy rather than the sincerity that he wants us to have, then the result is that you're building on sand and your life can be destroyed quickly and easily. Now, building on the rock, of course, that's a big Old Testament imagery for oh, the Psalms. Yeah, no question. Um, as you read through a lot of the Psalms, you know, God is our rock, He is our refuge. Yeah. Uh, we're to build our lives on Him. So I can't think of, you know, you think of the image of a big, huge rock, yeah. you know, and, and you build this house, the foundation on it versus on sand, and you have the beach. The, you know, the sand goes in and comes out so yeah. easily. You build your sand castle. I've done that many times. And then the yeah. waves come in and just take it yeah. all down. It's an out. interesting thing to go to the beach with yeah. Jeremy and Rebecca and her kids. <laughs> Jeremy plays in the sand as much as the I kids do. do. I do. And he, he builds these castles, these huge castles. But the next morning, they're gone. Yeah, that's that's the fun of it, I guess, or maybe the heartbreak of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, hey, there's nothing wrong with getting in some sand a little Well, bit. no, the kids love it. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. I'm, sure I'm they sitting do. under the umbrella. You're down there digging in the sand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, well, sand, God created sand. Sand's there for our benefit, right? That's to enjoy. Yeah, there are good things is. you make out of sand, I'm sure. Oh, sure. Anyway, so one of the other things as a broad stroke for the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of people will say the Sermon on the Mount is very similar to the teaching of James in the yes, Epistle of James. I can see that. And if you have time, Bible readers, that's a great study um, to, to look at the Sermon on the Mount, especially the Beatitudes, I believe, but the Sermon on the Mount in general, 5, 6, and 7. Of course, Luke has his version of the Sermon on the Mount as well. Um, that's a good study because a lot of the similarities you find in Matthew, James is teaching, and of course, he's kind of working them out a yeah. little bit differently in a first century setting uh, with the churches as well. So that's something to look f to look for as well, uh, those of you who are reading. Well, when, you, when you're looking at the Beatitudes, which we didn't talk a whole lot about, right. but when you're looking at the Beatitudes, uh, those are antithetical to everything that comes natural. Those are things that are, you know, aren't things that come to us by way of our own human nature. We have to have God's help uh, to be that way. But you can see how they are different to the way of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were you know, very public. Uh, they didn't have much mercy. It, it wasn't much from their heart. They weren't peacemakers. But you know, Jesus says, my way is a totally different way. Yeah. And um, that's the way Jesus would have us to live. It goes against that, like I said earlier, or mm. at the very beginning. It goes against the grain right. of, of yeah. humanity. Um, like the wisdom of the cross, like Paul would talk about, it's 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 to us we get it, but to the world it, it, it's foolishness. Yeah. And just like Jesus is saying here, you know, this is my way, and my way is going to be different. I mean, Jesus spent his three and a half years trying to train his disciples on being servants, and then they're concerned about who's going to have the best seat in the kingdom. <laughs> um, you know, so a lot of Jesus' teaching um, may have been difficult for some of those who are hearing it because I guess they were thinking of his teaching as being. Um, 
promoting themselves mm. or making the Jewish right. people more important or, right. or or something else, the other agenda, rather than constantly Jesus was serving. Right. I mean, he came. Uh, he came into this world for the purpose of right. serving the world. Well, and, and, and giving his life as a ransom for many, like Mark says. Yeah, and you find that and, all all across this sermon. I mean, that's the attitude that he has is the attitude of, of being humble, being gentle. You know, you're serving somebody else. It's not about you. It's about it's about other people. It's about other things. Maybe that's why they had so much of a, a issue with him because they thought he's the mm. king. King's not supposed exactly to serve others. Reason. You know, so. It doesn't make any sense. And maybe they had a hard time. Well, they were looking for a different kind of a king. Yeah. They were looking for a conquering king, not a crucified king. And they didn't understand the whole plan of God. They could have understood more of it than they did, but they didn't understand the whole plan of God and that he was bringing redemption not to just the Jews but to all mankind. And that had to come through a sacrifice, uh, through the sacrifice of Christ. But they missed it. They weren't looking for yeah. that kind of a king. And and as, as Bill and I were talking, sometimes we look back in there and say, what was your problem? We can read it now and have no problem figuring out what the issue was. Yeah. But you have to put yourself back in their shoes to understand. Oh, yeah. And that would have been so, so difficult. Well, yeah, even today, I mean, I live life, I'm 63 years old, and I live life, and I think I know how to approach life, and then I get past the circumstance, and I, th- I look back and think, why didn't I see that? Why, yeah, how did, exactly, I, miss, how did exactly. I miss that? I know that, but I didn't see that. How did I miss that? And I'm sure that some of that was that kind of blindness, and then some of it was just their own selfish, sinful blindness. Their pride and their arrogance their pride. as well. Yeah. So of this passage on the Sermon on the Mount, what, besides Matthew 7, 13, and 14, what is your favorite? <laughs> you have a favorite passage from here or a favorite verse maybe, one that you've always yeah. liked in this section? I'm not sure whether it's in our reading or not. Okay. Which, by the way, I like what we're doing. I think the shorter readings, yeah. it gives us an opportunity to dig deeper into. I realize it's important to read yeah. the Bible through, and yeah, we, yeah. we'll do that again. But you know, having shorter amount of readings gives us an opportunity to do a little bit more uh, digging beneath the surface. But right. I'm not sure if this was in the reading, but in, but in uh, Matthew chapter 6 it says, but seek first the kingdom of mm-hmm. God and His yeah. righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He says, mm-hmm. therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I have trouble practicing that verse. I don't want to suggest that I have that down. But uh, you know, every day seeking God first and not worrying uh, is... Uh, you know, something that I need to learn better uh, as I go through the readings this year. Okay. Um, I tend to like uh, Matthew 5, 13, and mm. 14 about the salt and the light. And I really like the passage about the light. So in Matthew 5, mm. 14, it says, You are the light of the world. You're talking to us and like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Yeah. You know, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a basket. Instead, it's and it says, in the same way, let your good works or let your light so shine before men that they see your. Uh, Father, and, and to me, I, I love that passage because it, it helps remind me that the things that I'm doing is not to glorify myself. Mm-hmm. The things that I'm doing is to glorify or to bring others to Christ. And so, if I'm not, if 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 what I'm doing is not bringing others at least closer to Him, then I'm mm-hmm. doing it. You know, I'm doing it incorrectly. I mean, I might be doing it for the right reasons, but maybe the manner in which I'm doing it is not the best. And so maybe I need to correct some of that. And of course, Jesus as the light of the world, that really resonates too. And I connect it all with well, this passage because he is the ultimate light. When he talks for us about all. being salt and light, yeah. you know, as I look through that, 
what he's telling us is that by practicing the Beatitudes, we yeah. become the salt and the light. It's when we're the opposite of those things that we cease to be salt, we cease right. to be light, right. Good point. which is you know, being poor in spirit and mourning, being meek and so forth. When we display those characteristics, which is the opposite of what the world says. Right. The world says you got to be powerful, you got to push yourself forward, you know, you got to make yourself known, you got to be very narcissistic. And Jesus is saying the exact opposite. He's telling us the exact so opposite. So we can make a prescription then, like as a doctor would say, if you want to be the light of the world, exactly. then you follow the Beatitudes. So there's a good, a good way of looking out. at it. I mean, you stand out from, from people because there's very few people, including myself, that practice those things in the fashion we should practice them. Okay. Anything else about uh, what's here? In, well, in this there's so text? much there. I mean, I know I mean, anything else you want to highlight? We have just a few minutes left. I mean, it's um, incredible. It's an incredible sermon. Um, and, you know, I don't know anything else without going back and getting bogged down in several things that are just fascinating. Um, don't don't forget, what, what, while you're thinking, and I have something else to say, don't forget, Bible readers, to also read those Luke passages. Don't just spend the time in the Sermon yeah. on the Mount, because the Luke ones are parallel, and sometimes they give a different perspective of, of and I tried to match them up. You know, if Jesus was teaching about money and possessions in Matthew, I talked about uh, you could you also read on that same day the passage in Luke that teaches about the same thing, and so sometimes that's that that's connected. Well, something that would be interesting for them to look for is in chapter five, verse one. He tells them that uh, he says these things to his disciples. Just a few verses before that, he talks about there being a great crowd, and at the end of the sermon, he talks about the crowd. Yeah. So is he speaking to the crowd? Is he speaking to just the disciples? Right. How is that taking place? And then if you compare that with the uh, parallel passage in Luke, you begin yeah. to get a bigger picture that apparently he was speaking to the disciples, but there were a lot of people who were listening in and, yeah. and watching and hearing what was going on. It was it's an interesting way to look look at the scripture. And also, don't forget as you as you begin reading the 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 Sermon on the Mount, you know, as the crowds are gathering up, it's, he's going up and he's seated down, he's seated, which is a sign of authority. He's up on a mountaintop. And I thought about the mountain. Yeah. You know, how many different places where Jesus spoke from authority, the transfiguration, um, the ascension. Yeah. Um, even the Old Testament, you look at Moses on Mount Sinai, Elijah on Mount Carmel. It, it seems like there's something about being on a mountaintop. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's good for West Virginia, right? <laughs> being on a mountaintop. <laughs> there's something good about being on a mountaintop where it's like you get... Uh, uh, it's like maybe you're closer to God. Uh, I guess yeah. physically you are. If if we think that you that's wonder where... too if that doesn't elevate him so that he's up above where and people he can are see gathering. Everybody else, yeah, gathering around him. But I mean, that's another good part of studying this. Yeah. Where is this mountain that he's on? Yeah. What is it close to? We don't really know exactly the name of the mountain, but you know that's an interesting thing to, to look up. Well, I think uh, we've given you enough at least to look for this week for your Bible reading. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Um, Continue your reading. Again, as a reminder, if you have not, if you read through your 2020 Bible reading and you have not selected your gift, go online and do that today. I send out emails as well to all the Bible fine readers. Fine point markers. Okay. We, we, we've got a recommendation here from Pastor, the fine point pens, right? That's are exactly. they markers? They're markers. Are they pens or markers? They're markers. They're little, markers. They're those felt tip, yes, fine yes. tip felt tip. They are the markers. markers. I think those are the ones that we have. They don't bleed through much. So that's good, especially if you're a Bible writer. And I think you need to get bigger margins for your Bible. Those, and they make wide margin Bibles. Maybe we'll do a. Maybe we should do a segment on good Bibles and and bad Bibles. Is there a bad Bible? Maybe no. Maybe one that's not read is a bad yeah, Bible. Yeah, there we go. Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for uh, today. So uh, keep up your Bible reading, and we'll see you all next time.